Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vincent Zach. I am back from the dead. I am uh, here to avenge myself against Mister Met, who murdered me last week, apparently on the podcast. So, uh, thanks for filling in, boys. It's always a pleasure to hear the two of you talk and not have to hear myself. So, thank you for filling in while I was away. And we are here to talk about the comics released on uh, August. Was it twenty second? I think. Uh, who can say there's no way of knowing yeah that's right true 23rd august 23rd of 2022 and up first is dc mech number two written by kenny porter illustrated by baldemar rivas uh zach i want you to start with this one because you were not on the show when we discussed the first issue so give us your thoughts on dc mech thus far man was i not Uh, was that the issue was that the episode that i missed because i was sick yes or something happened Yes. Okay. That's so, that's um, wild. Yeah, that's right. Because I sent you my text. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what I would say is, uh, sort of, maybe give us your first issue thoughts, followed by your second, if they are different. No, they're not different. I, and I think I I sent you that text that you guys did read in that episode about my did, my yes. little kind of brief thoughts. Uh, this book continues to be better than I think it like has any right to be. Um, and a lot of that is like really carried on the artistic front, but even the, even the writing is pretty fun. I think like the opening section with Hal and John is really fun um, with them uh, kind of testing their green lantern mech against uh, wonder woman's. And um, I, I just really liked that section. Uh, I usually am very tired and weary of the like getting the justice league together story but i think this one is is different and unique enough um in its concept that it doesn't bother me and the art is just so good i i just think this book looks incredible um i want this artist to do so many more things at dc vince what did you think of the second issue um yeah i I think as uh, as all often happens with books like this, the effect of the first issue has kind of worn off a little bit with the second, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Um, it just means that that first issue was such a pleasant surprise at, at how good this was compared to, you know, what they could have done with the premise. And, um, and, and this one is just, you know, not now we're in the groove. Now we know a little more what to expect. Um, that doesn't mean there weren't some, some really fun parts. I, the one thing that is missing for me, um, it's whiffing kind of a little bit is the thing that Zach mentioned about the, the getting the justice league together, the distrust of Superman part. I just, I think that's such old hat and, and like Bruce, not trusting Clark, um uh hal not trusting clark wonder woman you know being the one that's open to giving him a chance whatever like i i just feel like we've seen all that before and there there's it's kind of cliche well i i don't see what's different about it um i don't know i i guess aside from the fact that they're all running around in giant robots well distrusting clark but like to me those beats are, are hitting the same for me as they always do um but the stuff with Shaira uh, being, first of all, not only <laughs> Bruce's godmother. Shaira. <laughs> there it was. I was waiting for you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Which is a fun wrinkle. But but the fact that 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 
Shire is kind of taking the the Justice Society, or at least like the 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 shambling corpse of the Justice Society, and and trying to push it into the future, or or keep that going, even though most of them were were killed in that fight in the first issue. Um, I, I just love stuff like that, and I love books like this that are able to establish a clear history that feels like earned history in just a matter of a couple issues. Um, and I think this book is doing that. I, I think some of my favorite stuff like this and like the, the um, some of my favorite Elseworlds stuff, I should say, uh, like Tom Taylor's uh, deceased stuff. They take, they take these characters, you know, and they like, almost time jump them or time skip them and put them into a configuration that you don't expect or that, or that is like a logical conclusion of certain current, uh, DC relationships, you know? And I feel like this book is doing that a little bit. And I, it, books like this show the value of legacy. I think it, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the new 52 because of our Patreon show, Brian plug, patreon.com slash gc3cast and it just you know what a shame that we're still clawing back from uh even to this day we're trying to claw and get some of that legacy back when books like dc mech i think show you how valuable that stuff is um so and the art i can't say enough about the art uh I, i love how playful and fun it is um and and again, the melding of the different styles of of uh, Mecca are, are is very fun. Like the fact that Hal and John have to co-pilot the Green Lantern one, kind of like a Pacific Rim situation. Um, just really really fun wrinkle there. Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything that you guys said. I think like Vince, I think that the novelty has worn off a little bit in this second issue, and so I think the second issue is less effective than the first because the first was just so unexpected. I also want to piggyback off of the getting the Justice League together portion of it. I I, I think that the the Shaira stuff is really good and the legacy stuff is really good and, and Vince was right to call that out. I don't think Zach's going to like it when I say this, but I feel like the Justice League portions of this feel a lot like the first arc of the Jeff Johns Jim Lee Justice League book. I don't necessarily disagree with that per se mostly because batman's a dick in both of them yes exactly <laughs> I mean, that that is the primary thing here but like and hell sort of, yeah yeah like the, the cockiness Hell's of the green lantern stuff batman being a dick superman being this like unexplored entity you know i i think all of that more or less feels like the new 52 and none of us are huge fans of that first justice league arc and so the fact that this is working for me slash us while feeling like that is a testament to a couple of things testament to the art testament to like vince said the like the very carefully handled yet really effective use of legacy and history and just making the reader understand that there is precedent to all of this like i i think one of the things that comics is best let me rephrase that. When comics are referencing 
a known history, I think it makes comics in general so much better. Even if you're telling a new story set in a new world, like a, a creator-owned book that really feels like it has its history down, to me is always more interesting than one that feels like it's making it up as it goes along. I know that sounds very uh, logical, and you'd say, well, why would a book feel like they're making it up as they go along? Well, folks, try reviewing comics for 10 years, and you will find books that all the time feel like they're just flying by the seat of their pants and not necessarily having a plan. And so the fact that this book so clearly has, uh, you know, a historical subtext, so clearly has a a really unique and interesting approach to telling the same let's get the Justice League story for the millionth time, I think it's working really, really well. Um, do either of you have a particular favorite mech costume we've seen yet? I wanted to talk about that. Uh, is one of them like you know particularly appealing or interesting to you? Um, I do. I like the Superman one because I kind of I like the like very um, minimalist like. Uh, kind of like blindingly white light design. It reminds me of like um, the way Krypton looks in the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Krypton? Krypton. Yeah, it reminds me of the way Krypton looks. Good good call. Um, But, I mean, of course, I'm kind of like a sucker for the Green Lantern one, but I think the Flash one is maybe the coolest because of the way it moves. Um, Yeah, which I I swear there's one in an anime that kind of looks like that, and I can't... That's one that I cannot pull. I feel like all these different mechs are are kind of drawing inspirations from very different uh, mech anime. It it it's probably the one that looks most like an Evangelion. The way it kind of like like a, a unit unit one looks like kind of a sprinter. Yeah, yeah. Or a lot yeah, of, a lot of the Evas do kind of look like a sprinter. You know. Hmm. Um. I do like the the female Furies. Their mechs, which are like very. Mm-hmm. Uh kind of like bizarre looking um especially like the Lashina one that that the Lashina one like to carry the Ava thing further is kind of like an angel to me mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know I I think they all look good I think the designs are just really really good yeah also yeah, and- um maybe like the best praise that I can give Revis is um in the scene with the Superman flashback where he is like a kind of a young boy piling the mech. I think that mm-hmm. he look it looks like a Nick Dragota panel or a yeah. Nick Dragota face. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good, good call. Definitely. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the wonder woman too. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple, but elegant. And it reminds me a lot of a uh, of just a traditional Gundam, especially holding the sword and shield. I feel like there have been Gundams that hold oh, the, yeah. that hold the sword sword and shield in that series. Um, and yeah, I think I think it looks great with like the with the wispy uh, like the skirt part. Um, 
kind of being maintained there, even though it's a giant robot. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, I'm a big sucker for the uh, the Superman one, especially with the Iron Giant sort of feel you get from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, and something I mentioned uh, last time we talked about this book, but you that you weren't here for that, Zach. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Did I thought the Rogue uh, Gundams kind of reminded me of like Mega Man villains? Oh, they that's also their... a good call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think. I don't know if any of that's true, but that's the impression I get while I'm reading it. That 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 it's pulling me. Digimon soundtrack. That's another phrase I just can't say on the show anymore. I guess we've never done that before. This is the first time we've ever done that. So I'm putting the kibosh on it right now. Well, look, you never had to knock on wood, okay? Jesus. Well, I. But he has been close to one who has. Yeah. Exactly. Cancel because of anti-vaccination status. There are many, <laughs> many milestones. I can't keep which I, you know, all I know, is, over it. all I know is the big guy from Bowling for Soup died in a Murphy bed. <laughs> <laughs> Until like five years ago, there was a Murphy bed store on the highway by my house. Uh-huh. And I always thought it had to be a mob front because who's going into buying Murphy beds? <laughs> anyway, that's my story. I don't know. Uh, anything I else to like say about DC Mac? Buy out of necessity, you know. Like, yes, yes. I just showed up to this house and I had one, so. <laughs> um. So yeah, anything else to say about this issue or no? We're good to move on. I think we're good. Okay. Up next is Detective Comics number ten sixty three. Yeah, sixty three. Um. This is written by Rom V, illustrated by Rafael Albuquerque. And Zach, again, you were in here for the first part of this, so why don't you start us off? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, t- I don't have a lot to say about this issue in so much as I have some questions about this issue. Um mostly of like the continuity police variety. Um, this one, I, I'm uh, not accusing Rom V of being wrong about anything. This is something I just don't know. But um, when was the last time we saw Harvey Dent? And has he like known that Bruce is Batman for a while? I have no idea. I don't. There's no way of knowing. There's, there's no there's way truly, of knowing. There's truly no way of knowing. Um, um, asking Chris Conroy is probably the only way of knowing. Yes, that's true. Um, the other question, and maybe this is just I haven't read Morrison's Batman recently enough, but isn't Barbatos just wasn't he just supposed to be Darkseid? Wasn't he just like Dark Side Spirit? Well, I guess uh, are are we considering this Barbatos the same as the one from Death Metal? That's right. There was one in Death Metal, right? Or Metal? Is it Metal? That I no, which, it is metal. metal. You're right. Yeah, piece. you're right. There was one. Okay, that's right. Uh I mean, as with everything, I think somebody took something that that Grant Morrison did and made it made it worse much much i was gonna say much more literal sure than it was yeah um 
I actually did like the Barbato scene in this uh, issue better than in the first one because I thought it was like both better written and implemented. Um, but there's still there's still just a lot in this story that I can't I can't vibe with, like the secret origin of the Orgums, the Arkums. Um, the the scene with the music box I thought was like a tad bit much. Did did you guys? Feel, I mean, am I alone so, in that? That so was I, the that was the only scene I liked because okay. it felt it felt like a classic Batman uh, needs to get an answer from a villain thing, and it involved a villain we've hardly ever spent any time with over the years. Okay, um, you took the words almost out of my mouth, Vince, about that. Yeah. Um, I talked about, about that scene too. But what I'll say is, and I said this on the show you weren't on, Zach. When I started to see the solicits and the preview art for this, I got the impression that this was Rom V's Tom King heel turn. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this book is. Yeah, I, I, I did hear you say that. Uh, I, I actually listened to that episode. I, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. This is first for everything. I know, right? Um, but uh, I just really like you guys, and I missed you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. But but uh, do you doesn't that kind of track with what this is so far? I don't. I'm not comfortable saying that yet. <laughs> but I I don't know. I, I mean, don't I don't know. think it's nearly as annoying as yeah. Same. Um, oh, I mean, he's he hasn't gone full king yet, right? But but this is. <laughs> This just seems like, and maybe it's a Batman thing. Maybe people start writing Batman and they just get, they Twisted. think they have to. No, <laughs> yes, but. They become the Joker. They think they just have to start making, like, maybe because every Batman story has been told a hundred times, they feel like they have to do something quote unquote like innovative with the story and just wind up doing something that becomes very fart sniffy and and not necessarily all all that good and there are pieces of this that i think are interesting and are good but there's not enough of it and where it like i think i think the idea of harvey dent reforming himself is always an interesting story right like there's that character has redemption built into his to his name to his face to everything right like this is something that that people are constantly teasing because Harvey Dent was this like great, you know, this great lawman or whatever. So the idea of Harvey Dent being somebody who could possibly be redeemed, I think that's very good. I have no problem with that as a storytelling device. But he just does it in a way that feels kind of obnoxious throughout this. And there's a lot of like the 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 moment with the maestro to me like pulls back just before it gets obnoxious like vince said i felt like a classic batman scene to me but this this just seems a little bit too i don't even know what i i i can't even figure out what it's really going for it just isn't my cup of tea yeah i think so so I'll start by saying that that scene with the maestro is the one scene that I really, really liked in this thing. And I think like if you built the story around that scene, 
I'm much more interested. I I'm not interested at all in the, in more secret history of Gotham stuff. I mean that, um, Arzen Orgum, which is a, again, a, a, like a name that David Letterman would spend an entire episode repeating if he heard it. Um, <laughs> Orgum. Oh, or- Paul, Paul, do you enjoy Arzen Orgum? Uh, Arkham? Ar- Arliss. Arliss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, HBO, cable. Um, no, but uh, I, I don't give a rip about any of that stuff. I, I think, like, we've talked on the show before about how, um, like, I was a big fan of Gates of Gotham because during that era, they were just starting to get into secret history of Gotham stuff. And like Snyder and who was the co-writer on that? Um, um uh, maybe Higgins? Higgins, Kyle Higgins. Yeah. Maybe he was the only writer of that. And no, I think Snyder was the co-writer. Was it? Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- those, those guys were doing like secret history of Gotham stuff, but it felt fresh because it was at least the first time uh, for me as a reader where, where that kind of stuff was, was happening and, it was really fascinating. And then it kept going and it kept going and it, kept, it got, got built into like Snyder's Batman run. And then here and there writers have returned to it over the years. And it feels like they're, they're playing Jenga with it, you know, like they keep pulling blocks out and stacking them on top. And eventually the tower is going to fall. And like, I think this issue, it fell because like that assistant to Arzen Orgum, Shavad or whatever their name is starts telling an onion on my belt story about, <laughs> I mean, that's literally what it is. It's, yep, it's a shaggy dog story. Yeah. Ed, Ed, and Eduardo Arkham came to Gotham and you couldn't get uh, the yellow ones back then. <laughs> Give me five B's for a court. Like that's, <laughs> it, it feels like half this issue is that I know that's an exaggeration. It's not, but like, I could not have cared less about that. And, to me, that's not the in, like them holding up a title deed. I can't imagine something more boring in a comic than that, you know. Um, but but that that music box and the maestro and and Barbatos like entering Bruce's mind when he starts considering the mystery of the music box and is it the music that's causing this to happen to him? And then you know, like that stuff is all kind of a nice fascinating little little batman story you know um but the secret history stuff is so dry and the stuff with harvey dent i think actually what really carries those scenes is the design for the mask that (laughs) dent is wearing the like half golden mask that goes over his uh, scarred side of the face he just looks very cool in these scenes but if you if you sit there and think about the dialogue that's going on between him and Bruce, it is so generic and lame. Like it's more stuff about like, ah, oh, Bruce, you're kind of obsessed with, you know, it's like, it's, it's very much like Batman one one stuff. Um, that again, I can, I can just do without it's, it's more proof that like, you know, mostly Zach, but I think all of us on the show feel this way that like, Bruce just sucks now. <laughs> like we've, we've seen every Bruce Wayne story there is to see, I think. And, and until someone proves otherwise, but 
I feel like this stuff where, where, you know, Dent is like, uh, you know, you, you didn't come to see me cause you think I did these crimes. You, you came to, because you're obsessed with being right or so. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what was said, but it's just very cookie cutter Bruce Wayne one one type stuff. Uh, and then the whole bit about Dent being reformed. Yeah, that's great. But you know, at the end of the episode, exactly what's happening when, yes, you yes. know, like, oh, oh, God, here he goes. He's. He's he's two faceified again. Going well, to and which for me face. coming into the issue, no, not even knowing that he had been on two faceified and right. not even getting to dwell on that for a little bit was right. disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's bad. <laughs> or at least it's not good. It's it's just it's boring. Yeah. And it's a shame because I feel like uh Rom V is somebody we've all had very, very good things to say about their DC tenure thus far. And uh I don't think any of us were rooting against Rom V for any reason, so it's a shame to see this as wow. the uh you know, as anything but like just a bummer. They can't all be winners. No, they can't. I will say I uh, I read the last issue of Swamp Thing, which I think that that oh. was also this week. Mm-hmm. That had quite a nice ending. I think we had talked about covering that on the show. I think <laughs> and, Zach uh, and I talked about it last week, and then and then uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely did not take the. Uh the time to catch up on that like I had intended to. So um, I'm okay that we didn't Same. talk about it this week, but I, it's we one of those, it's going that. in the bin of one day I'll revisit that. Yeah. And anyway, read that instead of this. Cause that, that, <laughs> that ending is really good. Okay. Yeah. There, uh, there is another book this week that Vince and I also tossed around the idea of reading, which we did yeah, the Olympus book, right? the Olympus book. And, uh, that's another one I, I probably might I'll flip through that at least and would maybe recommend listeners to just because the art looks cool and uh, some of the character designs remind me of the Azarello run. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, we'll check that out perhaps in the future. But for now, let's take a break and let's get uh, back and talk about the newest web. Oh, you didn't want to talk about the Jim Gordon uh, backup story to tech. Do you have anything I, to say I, about it? Not me, but I, uh, you guys, maybe. You know how Every, I feel about that. Everything I said last week or last time was rendered relatively moot by this very boring installment of it. Um, Danny's does that have to say about it? Um, yeah, I still like it better than the main story. But I didn't like it as much as the first chapter. Yep, same. So there we go. We talked about it. Now we'll take a break. We'll be back to talk about Red Hood Outlaws in a minute. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please 
subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with the latest edition of DC's uh, Webtoons collaboration, which is called Red Hood Outlaws. It is written by Patrick R. Young and illustrated by Nico Bascunan. And um, this is essentially a reboot of the Rebirth era Red Hood and the Outlaws with Red Hood and Bizarro and Artemis sort of forming this dark trinity of DC. And um, before he turned out, whether we always thought Scott, Scott Lobdell was a scumbag, but before we really knew he was a scumbag, all of us appreciated that run far more than we thought we ever would. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting to see this sort of revived under a non-scumbag creative team. Well, we, do we, we, know we don't that? know that. We don't know that for sure. No, Fair I'm enough. Just, okay. Okay. I'm okay. kidding. Okay. That's li- it's like libel or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't a presumed... That presumed on scumbag team yes. but we can't be too sure uh, no so, no no <laughs> we should probably uh, I'm just kidding I'm just kidding uh Vincy what would you like to say about this book thus far? well, well so we should say the first three chapters are out but at the time of our recording this so we've only read the first three chapters of it first of all having just read uh some of this Scott Labdell Superboy run for the Patreon again Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash issue three cast. Yeah. Uh, I will say, give me the, like I, the reason I appreciated this um, particular part of the red hood Labdell run was because I just thought the configuration of the team was so charming. And I think, um, you know, against my better judgment, I'll say that it was one of the better bizarros I've, I've ever seen written. Um, but give me this 99 times out of a hundred just based on how not convoluted and stupid the plot and dialogue is mm-hmm. because love every love Dell comic is way too complicated for its own good and, and not better off for it. Um, and that, that certainly applies to the outlaws stuff. Um, this is so simple and streamlined the way that I think these, these comics should be right. Um, but it, it, it goes down so smooth. I will say out of the three that we've read now, the Batman family adventures and the, uh, Vixen one, this is easily the most kind of irreverent and low stakes. <laughs> like this is, um, not taking itself seriously at all, you know? Um, it's probably the worst of the three, but it's still good. It's still like a fun read. I think, I think like it's not blown me away, but with how fast you can read these and with how harmless they are, it's just fun. You know, um, I think they look great too. I think, uh, the art in this is really good. I think there's some stuff done with the, uh, scrolling kind of, uh, borderless, uh, unlimited storytelling that th- they pull some tricks with that throughout these three issues that are really neat. I think, um, did you guys notice that? Yeah. 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 I thought they did do some, some cool effects. Um, 
It's very interesting to me, though, that you call this the most irreverent when I feel it's like the most standard comic booky. <laughs> like this, this yeah. is the one that feels the most like a, the a kind of comic I would read from DC. Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say. Yeah, I'll, I'll I was going to say actually, when you guys are done. But you know, I, I, I my, one of my notes for this was that this is the first of these three books that feels like DC maybe could be publishing this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Zach, go off. Uh, well, I, it was, was Vince done. I was. I, I can come back to that point later. Okay, I didn't know if you had anything else to say about the book. I just wanted to oh, bounce no, off I'm, that idea. I'm done. Go for it. Okay. Um, I mostly liked this a lot because it had all the things that I liked from the Labdell run, minus the Labdelliness of it all. Um. <laughs> yep. The only part of it that made me groan a little bit was like the very beginning where, uh, you know, Jason Todd is introducing us to himself and he's like, and now I'm an anti-hero who scares the <laughs> villains and the heroes. And it's like, okay. It's baby, baby's first Red Hood stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> who, who reference, who calls themselves an anti-hero, you know? Um, <laughs> But th- that's just like how um, much that term has just like seeped into the the public consciousness, you know. Uh, but everything else, uh-huh. I really liked. I really liked uh, the way Jason was written. I liked the way he interacted with Artemis and Bizarro. I really liked the way that Bizarro was written, and I really liked the bit. This is this is the thing that feels like the most. Um, uh, I guess kind of like smart or interesting for this book um, is the bit where Artemis was essentially like kicked out from of being Wonder Woman, not because like she killed a lot of people or did or like you know was con- uh, like wasn't a good Wonder Woman, but because her like social media brand <laughs> took a hit, um, which I thought was just like such a fun idea um so it was such like a like different way to handle these like iconic dc heroes you know like which are inexplicably inexplicably brands you know like uh i i just thought that was a, a fun and and cool bit to that i would like to see get explored more yes i i, I enjoyed that element quite a bit um I just want to hop onto a Bizarro thing quickly before we move on, uh, before I move on, rather. But uh, the Bizarro in Lobdell's run, to me, always felt like the Solomon Grundy in Starman. And I know you guys have not read all of Starman yet, which, again, shame on you, but that's okay. Um, in that he's just like this character that you've always seen as being very brutal, just taken in a more like gentle direction. So I very much enjoy that. However, I will say that this version of Bizarro feels a little bit like something new for Bizarro. And um, I'm really happy we're getting that. I'm happy that there's something different with that character because we haven't seen too much. Aside from him just being less um, 
aggressive or or less like devious or whatever even regular bizarro isn't that isn't that evil really right he's just he's just like built this way but i think that this is a really nice reinvention of the character I, I like that a lot i will also say i liked the um as vince had said sort of the use of the scrolling as a storytelling device i thought that was really nice and i think that the art really complements that style i think the art walks this really fine line between being like it definitely fits in with the more sort of manga and um web comic influence we've seen in a lot of webtoons books but it also has a little bit more of that sort of standard dc again house style is totally the wrong way to say it but I could see this being published by DC still, but I think the art is really effective, especially the Bizarro. The Bizarro almost reminds me of like um, work you would see. Like, did either of you read that um, that Jeff Lemire Bloodshot comic? No, I, I, I should have known that answer before I even asked the question. <laughs> but um, there was like this. They, I think it was called Blood Squirt, where it was like this little, like almost like a bat mite. For blood, I'm for I'm blood familiar stuff. with what you're talking about. I just and I feel like yeah. Bizarro kind of has that vibe going throughout this. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, this is good. This is definitely my least favorite of the three webtoons books thus far. But that doesn't mean it's bad at all. I thought this was really interesting. I liked uh, in chapter three Artemis essentially becoming uh, He Man by saying like by the power of Ra yeah. and having yeah. like, the sword, you know, do shit. I didn't love the characterization of Jason as like the dark Robin. Cause again, we say this all the time, but if you read those stories when Jason was actually Robin, he was not the dark brooding Robin. Yeah. Um, oh, I gotta, I gotta retort to that too. When I, when, but keep going, well, no, no, go ahead, retort. I'll, I'll pause here. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, you're right, Brian. Absolutely. This is, this is not, um, this is not the original Jason Todd for sure. I think that that hand is always overplayed, but I do think that opening scene with him and Batman, it's a nice compromise because we need to be honest. Like we're never going to get the, the non edgy Jason back ever again. Right, right. That's just, that's how, that's how he sets himself apart from the other Robins now. Right. But I really, I, this is some of the most sneakily sophisticated, writing of the Jason Bruce dynamic that I've seen in a while. Um, the bit where I, I don't, I don't have a direct quote here, but Bruce says something like, like he's in his Batman get up. They're about to go out uh, to fight some crime or whatever. And he's saying, he says to Jason, like you need to love this world or else this isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. You can't treat, uh, you can't treat the mission like something to be conquered or you can't treat the world like something to be conquered. And I think that that's so like, first of all, that shows like a slightly warmer side of Bruce that I feel like it's always there, but writers don't show it enough, you know? Yep. To me, that's such an elegant way to explain like, yeah, this doesn't work unless you, see something to love in the world. If you're, if you're the brooding Jason all the time, then, it, then it's not going to work. And I feel like that's a lesson that, that, that shows that the writer is like self-aware while they're writing Jason, 
that like Jason cannot just be this brooding little dickhead kid, you know, like there's got to be some balance there. And so you're right. I don't think it it's not the way that Jason was originally written, but I think it's as good a compromise between the Jason Todd Red Hood we usually get and like a, a, a normal Robin, <laughs> you know, I'll agree with that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, sorry. Keep going. No, um, you have other stuff. I, I I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like this does just enough with each of the characters to make it interesting, right? The social media, like Q rating or whatever for Artemis is interesting. The bizarro being like watching movies and misquoting movies and bizarro speak (laughs) is kind of a fun new twist on bizarro like you said vince having jason be not quite as um not quite as dark and brooding as he normally is all that's interesting enough to get us to this story that 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 makes it feel like it's something that we haven't really seen before and that's all you can really ask for with this stuff right let's let's do something that isn't seen in other DC books right now. So yeah. Yeah. I like this. Anything else to add, Zach? Mm, nope. I've got one more thing then. Just okay. just to just to clarify what I was talking about earlier about like um this being the most irreverent one. I think I'm you guys are right. This is the one that most resembles a DC comic. That's for sure. But I think what I meant more was like, maybe I didn't mean irreverent. Maybe I meant like less sophisticated overall because like um, Batman Family Adventures is very much a gag comic, right? Almost every chapter or sometimes I guess there's a part one and a part two, if I remember correctly. But but anyway, almost every story is a setup, kind of a middle piece and then a punchline for the most part. Like so many of those stories are very, very manga gag manga heavy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a very sophisticated version of that. Like they're not, they're not half-assing it. Like they do a very good job of setting up a gag and knocking it down by the end of the issue. And all the characters have their own personalities that are very well-defined. I mean, it's a really extremely uh, professional kind of package. Obvious why they led with that one. The Vixen story is, very almost slice of life at times light kind of like coming of age type thing. Um, again, like a very sophisticated version of, uh, like a coming of age manga. We'll say, um, this it's a lot of it is just the members of the team arguing and bantering and making fun of one another. And, and yelling at one another and blowing themselves up. And it's, so I guess what I mean more is like, it's very loosey goosey. Like they are not, you know, the only structure to it is that each um, chapter so far kind of had a, a mini sort of origin or introduction focused on each character. But aside from that, there's this very paper thin overarching narrative about they're doing a job for uh Franco Bertinelli, the mob boss, 
as they're doing this job, almost nothing they do or say <laughs> has anything to do with really advancing the plot all that much. Or So that's what I mean. I mean, more like, um, yes, it does. It does look and feel more like a, like a traditional DC comic, like, like a version of the outlaws you could read in, in a DC comic. But as far as telling a story goes, like it's, it's making no bones about, uh, Ne- never getting to the point and not really it's not taking itself seriously at all um oh in, i would know. almost even push back on that though because i i feel really? like it yeah because i feel like i actually kind of like how the story is being told so like the first issue is just you know us kind of getting like introducing you to the characters with this like zany you know uh adventure on dinosaur island and then the second chapter we get the background of why they're there and then the third chapter they get double crossed and it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger with bizarro getting the thing and now we have now we'll find out maybe in the next few chapters like what the thing is and why they want it and yeah i i feel like it's pretty competently told and better paced than a lot of you know regular comics (laughs) yeah i'm yeah i'm not trying to i guess i'm not i'm not using the right words i'm not trying to say it's incompetent either i'm I'm just trying to say like i mean you're right everything you just said is absolutely right but there's still something just so like it's really just these three characters yelling at one another that is also true yes yes yeah so i i guess yeah, I don't know. You're right, though. Like, like, yeah. On second thought, you're you're absolutely right. Each issue is doing its doing a little thing that's important to the greater narrative. I guess, I guess it's doing it so um, sort of. Uh, it's doing it so expertly paced that you almost don't even notice it happening. Because I like, if you would have just asked me, like. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't tell you what the thing is that they're getting for Bertinelli. I guess they haven't revealed it yet. Is that right? Uh, no, they have. They've talked about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, well, it they've, seems they've like... said, they they told us what it was, but it's clear, like we it's like really more than that. It's a MacGuffin. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's, a yeah it's a MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I haven't thought once about it since since I read the story. You know what I mean? Like, right. That parts that part seems secondary to just the hang with these three characters yes i guess that's what i'm trying to say this is a hangout book it's yeah. a limited hangout i agree with that okay yeah yeah i think we got somewhere i think we're all yeah we, we did we got somewhere eventually yes <laughs> speaking of going somewhere vince can you tell us where we're going next week i can yes we're going to war world everybody we're go- okay uh dc saved by the bell reeve uh number one harley quinn uh, 2022 annual number one Harley Quinn, the animated series, the real sidekicks of new Gotham. It kind of, I assume that's what it says, but it cuts so. off uh, Superman war world apocalypse. Number one, the flash 2022 annual number one, Sandman universe, nightmare country. Number five, wonder girl, 2022 annual number one. An interesting collection of books there. I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. Uh, until then, if you need to find us, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App, and I am at the Wilk of Z.
If you need to find Vince, he is posting videos of himself shirtless in his gym, talking about the history of Black Adam and the <laughs> mythology behind it. Here's a tutorial. Exactly. Uh, it has been always, an extreme honor to become Black Adam. Yes. Uh, as always, uh, go to dc3cast.com for more information about our Patreon. Uh, and uh, until next time, thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs>